Book two, chapter four of Corporal Cameron of the Northwest Mounted Police A Tale of the McLeod Trail. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Corporal Cameron of the Northwest Mounted Police. Book two, chapter four. A Rainy Day. It was haying time. Over the fields of yellowing fall wheat and barley, of gray timothy and purple clover, the heat shimmered in dancing waves. Everywhere the growing crops were drinking in the light and heat with eager thirst, for the call of the harvest was ringing through the land. The air was sweet with the scents of the hayfields, and the whole countryside was humming with the sound of the mowers. It was the crowning time of the year. Toward this season all the life of a farm moved steadily the whole year long. The next two months or three would bring to the farmer the fruit of long days of toil and waiting. Every minute of these harvest days, from the early gray dawn, when Mandy called the cows in for the milking, till the long shadows from the orchard lay quite across the wide barley field, when Tim, handling his team with careless pride, drove in the last load for the day, every minute was packed full of life and action but though busy were the days and full of hard and at times back-breaking and nerve-straining work what of it the color the rush the eager race with the flying hours the sense of triumph the promise of wealth the certainty of comfort all these helped to carry off the heaviest toil with a swing and vim that banished aches from the body and weariness from the soul to cameron all unskilled as he was the days brought many an hour of strenuous toil, but every day his muscles were knitting more firmly, his hands were hardening, and his mastery of himself growing more complete. In haying there is no large place for skill. This operation, unlike that of turnip hoeing, demands chiefly strength, quickness, and endurance. And especially endurance. To stand all day in the hayfield under the burning sun with its rays leaping back from the superheated ground, and roll up the windrows into huge bundles and toss them on to the wagon, or to run up a long line of cocks and heave them fork-handle high to the top of a load, calls for something of skill, but mainly for strength of arm and back. But skill had its place, and once more it was Tim who stood close to Cameron and showed him all the tricks of pitching hay. It was Tim who showed him how to stand with his back to the wagon, so as to get the load properly poised with the least expenditure of strength. It was Tim who taught him the cunning trick of using his thigh as a fulcrum in getting his load up, rather than doing it by main strength and awkwardness. It was Tim who demonstrated the method of lifting half a cock by running the end of the fork handle into the ground, so that the whole earth might aid in the hoisting of the load. Of course, in all this, Cameron's intelligence and quickness stood him in the place of long experience, and before the first day's hauling was done, he was able to keep his wagon going. But with all the stimulus of the harvest movement and color, Cameron found himself growing weary of life on the Haley farm. It was not the long days, and to none on the farm were the days longer than to Cameron, who had taken upon himself the duty of supplying the kitchen with wood and water. No small business, either at the beginning or at the end of a long day's work. It was not the heavy toil. It was chiefly the continuous contact with the dirt and disorder of his environment that wore his body down and his spirit raw. No matter with how keen a hunger did he approach the dinner-table, the disgusting filth everywhere apparent would cause his gorge to rise, and followed by the cheerful jibes of Perkins, 
he would retire often with his strength unrecruited and his hunger unappeased and though he gradually achieved a certain skill in picking his way through a meal selecting such articles of food as could be less affected than others by the unsavory surroundings the want of appetizing and nourishing food told disastrously upon his strength his sleep too was broken and disturbed by the necessity of sharing a bed with webster he had never been accustomed to doubling up and under the most favorable circumstances the experience would not have been conducive to sound sleep but webster's manner of life was not such as to render him an altogether desirable bedfellow for while the majority of farm lads in the neighborhood made at least semi-weekly pilgrimages to the dam for a swim webster felt no necessity laid upon him for such an expenditure of energy after a hard and sweaty day in the field his ideas of hygiene were of the most elementary nature hence it was his nightly custom when released from the toils of the day to proceed upstairs to his room and slipping his braces from his shoulders allow his nether garments to drop to the floor and without further preparation roll into bed of the effeminacy of a night robe webster knew nothing except by somewhat hazy rumor once under the patchwork quilt he was safe for the night for heaving himself into the middle of the bed he sank into solid and stertorous slumber from which all cameron's prods and kicks failed to arouse him till the gray dawn once more summoned him to life whereupon resuming the aforesaid nether garments he was once more simply but in his opinion quite sufficiently equipped for his place among men many nights did it happen that the stertorous melody of webster's all too odorous slumbers drove cameron to find a bed upon the floor once again tim was his friend for it was to tim that cameron owed the blissful experience of a night in the hayloft upon the newly harvested hay there buried in its fragrant depths and drawing deep breaths of the clean unbreathed air that swept in through the great open barn doors cameron experienced a joy hitherto undreamed of in association with the very commonplace exercise of sleep after his first night in the haymow which he shared with tim he awoke refreshed in body and with a new courage in his heart by jove tim that's the finest thing i ever had in the way of sleep now if we only had a tub a tub what for a dip my boy a splash to wash in inquired tim wondering at the exuberance of his friend's desires i'll get a tub he added and running to the house returned with wash tub and towel tim my boy you're a jewel exclaimed cameron from the stable cistern they filled the vessel full and first cameron and after persuasion and with rather dubious delight tim tasted the joy of a morning tub henceforth life became distinctly more endurable to cameron but more than all the other irritating elements in his environment put together cameron chafed under the unceasing rasp of perkins wit clever if somewhat crude and cumbrous perkins had never forgotten nor forgiven his defeat at the turnip hoeing which he attributed chiefly to cameron his jibes at cameron's awkwardness in the various operations on the farm his readiness to seize every opportunity for ridicule his skill at creating awkward situations all these sensibly increased the wear on cameron's spirit all these however cameron felt he could put up with without endangering his self-control but when perkins with vulgar innuendo chaffed the farmer's daughter upon her infatuation for the young scotty as he invariably designated cameron or when he rallied cameron upon his supposed triumph in the matter of mandy's youthful affections then cameron raged and with difficulty kept his hands from his cheerful and ever-smiling tormentor 
it did not help matters much that apparently mandy took no offence at perkins insinuations indeed it gradually dawned upon cameron that what to him would seem a vulgar impertinence might to this uncultured girl appear no more than a harmless pleasantry at all costs he was resolved that under no circumstances would he allow his self-control to be broken through he would finish out his term with the farmer without any violent outbreak it was quite possible that perkins and others would take him for a chicken-hearted fool but all the same he would maintain this attitude of resolute self-control to the very end after all what mattered the silly jibes of an ignorant boor and when his term was done he would abandon the farm life forever it took but little calculation to make quite clear that there was not much to hope for in the way of advancement from farming in this part of canada even perkins who received the very highest wage in that neighborhood made no more than three hundred dollars a year and with land at sixty to seventy-five dollars per acre it seemed to him that he would be an old man before he could become the owner of a farm he was heart-sick of the pettiness and sordidness of the farm life whose horizon seemed to be that one of the hundred acres or so that comprised it therefore he resolved that to the great west he would go that great wonderful west with its vast spaces and its vast possibilities of achievement the rumor of it filled the countryside meantime for two months longer he would endure a rainy day brought relief oh the blessed sabbath of a rainy day when the wheels stop and silence falls in the fields and time-tired harvest hands recline at ease upon the new-cut and sweet-smelling hay on the barn floor and through the wide open doors look out upon the falling rain that roars upon the shingles pours down in cataracts from the eaves and washes clean the air that wanders in laden with those subtle scents that old mother earth releases only when the rain falls oh happy rainy days in harvest time when undisturbed by conscience the weary toilers stretch and slumber and wake to lark and chaff in careless ease the long hours through in the Haley's barn they were all gathered, gazing lazily and with undisturbed content at the steady downpour that indicated an all-day rest. Even Haley, upon whose crops the rain was teeming down, was enjoying the rest from the toil, for most of the hay that had been cut was already in cock or in the barn. Besides, Haley worked as hard as the best of them and welcomed a day's rest. So let it rain. While they lay upon the hay on the barn floor, with tired muscles all relaxed, drinking in the fragrant airs that stole in from the rain-washed skies outside, in the slackening of the rain two neighbors dropped in, Big Mac Murray and his brother Danny, for a crack about things in general, and especially to discuss the Dominion Day picnic, which was coming off at the end of the following week. This picnic was to be something out of the ordinary for in addition to the usual feasting and frolicking there was advertised an athletic contest of a superior order the prizes in which were sufficiently attractive to draw not only local athletes but even some of the best from the neighboring city a crack runner was expected and perhaps even mcgee the big policeman of the london city force a hammer thrower of fame might be present let him come eh mac said perkins i guess we ain't afraid of no city bug beating you with a hammer oh i'm no thrower said mac modestly i just take the thing up and give it a fling i haven't got the trick of it at all have you practiced much said cameron whose heart warmed at the accent that might have been transplanted that very day from his own north country never at all except now and then at the blacksmith's shop on a rainy day replied mac have you done anything at it oh 
I have seen a good deal of it at the games in the north of Scotland, replied Cameron. Man, I wish we had a hammer and you could show me the trick of it, said Mac fervently, for they will be looking to me to throw, and I do not wish to be beaten just too easily. There's a big mason's hammer, said Tim, in the tool house, I think. Get it, Tim, then, said Mac eagerly, and we will have a little practice at it, for throw I must, and I have no wish to bring discredit on my country, for it will be a big day. They will be coming from all over. The band of the seventh is coming out, and Piper Sutherland from Zora will be there. A piper, echoed Cameron, is there much pipe playing in this country? Indeed, you may say that, said Mac, and good pipers they are too, they tell me. Piper Sutherland, I think, was of the old Fortitois. Are you a piper, perhaps? continued Mac. Oh, I play a little, said Cameron. I have a set in the house. God bless my soul, cried Mac, and we never knew it. Tell Danny where they are, and he will fetch them out. Go, Danny. Never mind, I will get them myself, said Cameron, trying to conceal his eagerness, for he had long been itching for a chance to play, and his fingers were now tingling for the chanter. It was an occasion of great delight, not only to Big Mac and his brother Danny and the others, but to Cameron himself. Up and down the floor he marched, making the rafters of the big barn ring with the ancient martial airs of Scotland, and then, dropping into a lighter strain, he set their feet a-rappin' with reels and strathspies. "'Man, yon's great plan!' cried Mac with fervent enthusiasm to the company who had gathered to the summons of the pipes from the house and from the high road. "'And think of him keeping them in his chest all this time. "'And what else can you do?' went on Mac with the enthusiasm of a discoverer. "'You have been in the big games, too, I warrant you.' Cameron confessed to some experience of these thrilling events. "'Bless my soul! We will put you against the big folk from the city. "'Come and show us the hammer.' said Mac, leading the way out of the barn, for the rain had ceased, with a big mason's hammer in his hand. It needed but a single throw to make it quite clear to Cameron that Mac was greatly in need of coaching. As he said himself, he just took up the thing and gave it a fling. A mighty fling, too, it proved to be. Twenty-eight paces, cried Cameron, and then, to make sure, stepped it back again. Yes, he said, twenty-eight paces, nearly twenty-nine. Great Caesar! "'Mac, if you only had the bramer swing, you would be a famous thrower.' "'Ah, now you are just joking me,' said Mac, modestly. "'You can add twenty feet easy to your throw if you get the swing,' asserted Cameron. "'Look here, now get this swing.' And Cameron demonstrated in his best style the famous bramer swing. Thirty-two paces,' said Mac, in amazement, after he had measured the throw. "'Man alive, you can beat McGee, let alone myself.' "'Now, Mac, get the throw,' said Cameron with enthusiasm. "'You will be a great thrower.' But try though he might, Mac failed to get the swing. "'Man, come over tonight and bring your pipes. Danny will fetch out his fiddle, and we will have a bit of a frolic. And,' he added, as if in an afterthought, "'I have a big hammer yonder, the regulation size. We might have a throw or so.' "'Thanks. I will be sure to come,' said Cameron, eagerly. "'Come, all of you,' said Mac. "'And you too, Mandy. We will clear out the barn floor and have a regular hoedown.' Oh, pshaw, giggled Mandy, tossing her head. I can't dance. Oh, come along and watch me, then, said Mac, in good humor, who, with all his two hundred pounds, was light-footed as a girl. The Murray's new bank barn was considered the finest in the country, and the new floor was still quite smooth and eminently suited to a hoedown. Before the darkness had fallen, however, Mac drew Cameron, with a Danny, Perkins, and a few of the neighbors who had dropped in, out to the lane and giving him a big hammer try that he said with some doubt in his tone 
Cameron took the hammer. This is the right thing. The weight of it will make more difference to me, however, than to you, Mac. Oh, I'm not so sure, said Mac. Show us how you do it. The first throw Cameron took easily. Twenty-nine paces, cried Mac, after stepping it off. Man, that's a great throw, and you do it easy. Not much of a throw, laughed Cameron. Try it yourself. Ignoring the swing, Mac tried to throw in his own style and hurled the hammer two paces beyond Cameron's throw. You did that with your arms only, said Cameron. Now you must put legs and shoulders into it. Let's see you beat that throw yourself, laughed Perkins, who was by no means pleased with the sudden distinction that had come to the Scotty. Cameron took the hammer, and with the easy, slow grace of the Braemar swing, made his throw. "'Hooray!' yelled Danny, who was doing the measuring. "'You got it yon time for sure. Three paces to the good. You'll have to put your back into it, Mac, I guess.' Once more Mac seized the hammer. Then Cameron took Mac in hand, and over and over again coached him in the poise and swing. "'Now try it, and think of your legs and back. Let the hammer take care of itself. Now, nice and easy and slow, not far this time.' Again and again Mac practiced the swing. "'You're getting it!' cried Cameron enthusiastically. "'But you are trying too hard. Forget the distance this time, and think only of the easy, slow swing. Let your muscles go slack.' So he coached his pupil. At length, after many attempts, Mac succeeded in delivering his hammer according to instructions. "'Man, you are right!' he exclaimed. "'That's the trick of it, and it is as smooth as oil.' "'Keep it up, Mac,' said Cameron, "'and always easy.' Over and over again he put the big man through the swing till he began to catch the notion of the rhythmic, harmonious cooperation of the various muscles in legs and shoulders and arms so necessary to the highest result. "'You've got the swing, Mac, at length,' said Cameron. "'Now then, this time let yourself go. Don't try your best, but let yourself out. Easy, now easy. Get it first in your mind.' For a moment Mac stood pondering. He was getting it in his mind." Then, with a long swing, easy and slow, he gave the great hammer a mighty heave. With a shout, the company crowded about. Thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven. Hooray! Bully for you! You are the lad! Get the line on it, said Mac, quietly. The measuring line showed one hundred and eleven and a half feet. The boys crowded round him, exclaiming, cheering, patting him on the back. Mac received the congratulations in silence, then turning to Cameron, said very earnestly, "'Man, yon's as easy as eatin' butter. You have done me a good turn to-day.' "'Oh, that's nothing, Mac,' said Cameron, who was more pleased than any of them. "'You got the swing perfectly that time. You can put twenty feet to that throw. One hundred and eleven feet. Why, I can beat that myself.' "'Man alive! Do you tell me now?' said Mac in amazement running his eyes over Cameron's lean, muscular body. "'I have done it often when I was in shape.' "'Oh, rats!' said Perkins with a laugh. "'Where was that?' Cameron flushed a deep red, then turned pale, but kept silent. "'I believe you, my boy,' said Mac with emphasis and facing sharply upon Perkins. "'And if ever I do a big throw, I will owe it to you.' "'Oh, come off,' said Perkins, again laughing scornfully. "'There are others that know the swing besides Scotty here.' What you have got you owe to no one but yourself, Mac. If I beat the man McGee next week, said Mac quietly, it will be from what I learned tonight, and I know what I am saying. Man, it's a lucky thing we found you. But that will do for just now. Come along to the barn. 
hooray for the pipes and the lassies they are worth all the hammers in the world and putting his arm through cameron's he led the way to the barn followed by the others if scotty could only hoe turnips and tie wheat as well as he can play the pipes and throw the hammer said perkins to the others as they followed in the rear i guess he'd soon have all of us leaning against the fence to dry he will too some day said tim whose indignation at perkins overcame the shyness which usually kept him silent in the presence of older men hello timmy what are you chipping in for said perkins reaching for the boy's coat collar he thinks this scotty is the whole works and he is great too at showing people how to do things i hear he showed tim how to hoe turnips said one of the boys slyly the laugh that followed showed that the story of tim's triumph over the champion had gone abroad oh rot said perkins angrily tim's got a little too perky because i let him get ahead of me one night in a drill of turnips you done your best didn't he webster cried tim with indignation well he certainly was making some pretty big gashes in them drills said webster slowly oh get out replied perkins though all the same tim's quite a turnip hoer he conceded hello there's quite a crowd in the barn danny i wish i had my store clothes on at this a girl came running up to meet them come on danny tune up i can hardly keep my heels on my boots oh you'll not be wanting my little fiddle after you have heard cameron on the pipes isa never you fear that danny replied isa catching him by the arm and hurrying him onward wait a minute i want you to meet mr cameron said danny come away then replied isa i am dying to get done with it and get the fiddle going but cameron was in the meantime engaged for mac was busy introducing him to a bevy of girls who stood at one corner of the barn floor my but he's a braw lad said isa gaily as she watched cameron making his bows yes he is that replied danny with enthusiastic admiration and a hammer thrower too he is what yon stripling you may say it he can beat mac there mac cried isa with scorn it's just big lies you were telling me indeed he has beaten mac's best throw many a time and how do you know exclaimed isa he said so himself aha said isa scornfully he is good at blowing his own horn whatever and i don't believe he can beat mac and i don't like him a bit she continued her dark eyes flashing and the red color glowing in her full round cheek come isa cried mac catching sight of her in the dim light come here i want mr cameron to meet you how do you do said the girl giving cameron her hand and glancing saucily into his face i hear you are a piper and a hammer thrower and altogether a wonderful man a wonderfully lucky man to have the pleasure of meeting you said cameron glancing boldly back at her and i am sure you can dance the fling continued isa all the highlanders do not all said cameron but with certain partners all highlanders would love to try oh ay with a soft highland accent that warmed cameron's blood i see you have the tongue come away danny now strike up or i will go on without you and the girl kilted her skirts and began a reel and as mac's eyes followed her every step there was no mistaking their expression to mac there was only one girl in the barn or in all the world for that matter and that was the leal-hearted light-footed black-eyed isa mackenzie bonnie she was and that she well knew the belle of the whole township driving the men to distraction and for all that holding the love of her own sex as well but her heart was still her own or at least she thought it was for all big mac murray's open and simple-hearted adoration 
and she was ready for a frolic with any man who could give her word for word or dance with her the highland reel with the courtesy of a true gentleman danny led off with his fiddle till they had all got thoroughly into the spirit and swing of the frolic and then putting his instrument back into its bag he declared that they were all tired of it and were waiting for the pipes not a bit of it cried isa but we will give you a rest danny and besides i want to dance a reel with you myself though mr cameron is not bad she added with a little bow to cameron with whom she had just finished a reel readily enough cameron tuned his pipes for he was aching to get at them and only too glad to furnish music for the gay company of kindly-hearted folk who were giving him his first evening's pleasure since he had left the coag or from reel to schotsky and from schotsky to reel foursome and eightsome they kept him playing ever asking for more till the gloaming passed into moonlight and still they were not done the respite came through mandy who solid in weight and heavy of foot had labored through the reels as often as she could get a partner and at other times had sat gazing in rapt devotion upon the piper whoop her up again scotty cried perkins when cameron paused at the end of a reel don't you do it said mandy sharply her deep voice booming through the barn he's just tired of it and i'm tired looking at him there was a shout of laughter which covered poor mandy with wrathful confusion good for you mandy cried perkins with a great guffaw you want some music now don't you so do i come on danny no i don't snapped mandy who could understand neither the previous laugh nor that which greeted perkins sally allen she said sticking a little over the name is tired out and besides it's time we were going home that's right take him home mandy and put the little dear to bed said perkins you needn't be so smart joe perkins said mandy angrily anyway i'm going home i've got to be up early me too mandy said cameron packing up his pipes for his sympathy had been roused for the girl who was championing him so bravely i've had a great night and i have played you all to death but you will forgive me i was lonely for the chanter i have not touched it since i left home there was a universal cry of protest as they gathered about him indeed mr cameron you have given us all a rare treat cried isa coming close to him and I only wish you could pipe and dance at the same time. That's so, cried Mac. But what's the matter with the fiddle, Isa? Come on, Danny, strike up. Let them have a reel together. Cameron glanced at Mandy, who was standing impatiently waiting. Perkins caught the glance. Oh, please let him stay, Mandy, he pleaded. He can stay if he likes, sniffed Mandy scornfully. I got no string on him, but I'm going home. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mandy, called Perkins. Tell him we're coming. Just a moment, Mandy, said Cameron, and I'm with you. Another time I hope to do a reel with you, Miss Mackenzie, he said, bidding her good night. And I hope it will be soon. Remember, then, cried Isa, warmly shaking hands with him, I will keep you to your promise at the picnic. Fine, said Cameron, and with easy grace he made his farewells and set off after Mandy, who by this time was some distance down the lane. You needn't come for me, she said, throwing her voice at him over her shoulder. What a splendid night we have had, said Cameron, ignoring her wrath. And what awfully nice people. Mandy grunted, and in silence continued her way down the lane, picking her steps between the muddy spots and pools left by the rain. After some minutes, Cameron, who was truly sorry for the girl, ventured to resume the conversation. Didn't you enjoy the evening, Mandy? No, I didn't, she replied shortly. I can't dance, and they all know it. Why don't you learn, Mandy? You could dance if you practiced. I can't. I ain't like other girls. I'm too clumsy. 
not a bit of it said cameron i've watched you stepping about the house and you are not a bit clumsy if you only practiced a bit you would soon pick up the shotsky oh you're just saying that because you know i'm mad said mandy slightly mollified not at all i firmly believe it i saw you try a shotsky tonight with perkins and oh shucks said mandy he don't give me no show he gets mad when i tramp on him all you want is practice mandy replied cameron oh i ain't got no one to show me said mandy perkins he won't be bothered and and there's no one else she added shyly why i i would show you replied cameron every instinct of chivalry demanding that he should play up to her lead if i had any opportunity when said mandy simply when echoed cameron taken aback why the first chance we get as he spoke the word they reached the new bridge that crossed the deep ditch that separated the lane from the high road here's a good place right here on this bridge said mandy with a giggle but we have no music stammered cameron aghast at the prospect of a dancing lesson by moonlight upon the public highway oh pshaw said mandy we don't need no music you can just count i seen isa show and mac once and they didn't have no music but she added regarding cameron with suspicion if you don't want to oh i should be glad to but wouldn't the porch be better he replied in desperation the porch that's so assented mandy eagerly let's hurry before the rest come home so saying she set off at a great pace followed by cameron ruefully wondering to what extent the lesson in the tipperurian art might be expected to go as soon as the porch was reached mandy cried now let's at the thing i'm going to learn that shotski if it costs a leg without stopping to inquire whose leg might be in peril cameron proceeded with his lesson and he had not gone through many paces till he began to recognize the magnitude of the task laid upon him the girl's sense of time was accurate enough but she was undeniably awkward and clumsy in her movements and there was an almost total absence of coordination of muscle and brain she had however suffered too long and too keenly from her inability to join with the others in the dance to fail to make the best of her opportunity to relieve herself of this serious disability so with fierce industry she poised counted hopped according to cameron's instructions and example with never a sign of weariness but alas with little indication of progress oh shucks i can't do it she cried at length pausing in despair i think we could do it better together that's the way mac and isa do it i've seen them at it for an hour cameron's heart sank within him he had caught an exchange of glances between the two young people mentioned and he could quite understand how a lesson on the intricacies of the highland shotski might very well be extended over an hour to their mutual satisfaction but he shrank with a feeling of dismay if not disgust from a like experience with the girl before him he was on the point of abruptly postponing the lesson when his eye fell upon her face as she stood in the moonlight which streamed in through the open door was it the mystic alchemy of the moon on her face or was it the glowing passion in her wonderful eyes that transfigured the coarse features a sudden pity for the girl rose in cameron's heart and he said gently we will try it together he took her hand put his arm about her waist but as he drew her towards him with a startled look in her eyes she shrank back saying hurriedly i guess i won't bother you any more tonight you've been awful good to me you're tired not a bit mandy come along replied cameron briskly at that moment a shadow fell upon the square of moonlight on the floor mandy started back with a cry my you scared me we were alan mr cameron was learning me the highland shotski her face and her voice were full of fear it was perkins 
white silent and rigid he stood regarding them for minutes it seemed then turned away let's finish said cameron quietly oh no no said mandy in a low voice he's awful mad i'm scared to death he'll do something oh dear dear he's awful when he gets mad nonsense said cameron he can't hurt you no but you oh don't worry about me he won't hurt me cameron's tone arrested the girl's attention promise me promise me she cried that you won't touch him she clutched his arm in a fierce grip certainly i won't touch him said cameron easily if he behaves himself but in his heart he was conscious of a fierce desire that perkins would give him the opportunity to wipe out a part at least of the accumulated burden of insult he had been forced to bear during the last three weeks oh wailed mandy wringing her hands i know you're going to fight him i don't want you to do you hear me she cried suddenly gripping cameron again by the arm and shaking him i don't want you to promise me you won't she was in a transport of fear oh this is nonsense mandy said cameron laughing at her there won't be any fight i'll run away all right replied the girl quietly releasing his arm remember you promised she turned from him good night mandy we will finish our lesson another time eh he said cheerfully good night replied mandy dully and passed through the kitchen and into the house cameron watched her go then poured for himself a glass of milk from a pitcher that always stood upon the table for any who might be returning home late at night and drank it slowly pondering the situation the while what a confounded mess it is he said to himself i feel like cutting the whole thing by jove that girl is getting on my nerves and that infernal bounder he seems to poor girl i wonder if he has got any hold on her it would be the greatest satisfaction in the world to teach him a few things too but i have made up my mind that i am not going to end up my time here with any row and i'll stick to that unless and with a tingling in his fingers he passed out into the moonlight as he stepped out from the door a dark mass hurled itself at him a hand clutched at his throat missed as he swiftly dodged back and carried away his collar it was perkins his face distorted his white teeth showing in a snarl as of a furious beast again with a beast-like growl he sprang and again cameron avoided him while perkins missing his clutch stumbled over a block of wood and went crashing headfirst among a pile of pots and pans and still unable to recover himself and wildly grasping whatever chanced to be within reach fell upon the board that stood against the corner of the porch to direct the rain into the tub but the unstable board slid slowly down and allowed the unfortunate perkins to come sitting in the tub full of water very neatly done perkins cried cameron whose anger at the furious attack was suddenly transformed into an ecstasy of delight at seeing the plight of his enemy like a cat perkins was on his feet and without a single moment's pause came on again in silent fury by an evil chance there lay in his path the splitting axe gleaming in the moonlight uttering a low choking cry as of joy he seized the axe and sprang towards his foe quicker than thought cameron picked up a heavy armchair that stood near the porch to use it as a shield against the impending attack are you mad perkins he cried catching the terrific blow that came crashing down upon the chair then filled with indignant rage at the murderous attack upon him and suddenly comprehending the desperate nature of the situation he sprang at his antagonist thrusting the remnants of the chair in his face and following hard and fast upon him pushed him backward and still backward till tripping once more he fell supine among the pots and pans seizing the axe that had dropped from his enemy's hand cameron hurled it far beyond the woodpile and then stood waiting a cold and deadly rage possessing him 
come on you dog he said through his shut teeth you have been needing this for some time and now you'll get it what is it joe cameron quickly turned and saw behind him mandy her face blanched her eyes wide and her voice faint with terror oh nothing much said cameron struggling to recover himself perkins stumbled over the tub among the pots and pans there he made a great row too he continued with a laugh striving to get his voice under control what is it joe repeated mandy approaching perkins but perkins stood leaning against the corner of the porch in a kind of dazed silence you've been fighting she said turning upon cameron not at all said cameron lightly but if you must know perkins went stumbling among these pots and pans and finally sat down in the tub and naturally he is mad is that true joe said mandy moving slowly nearer him oh shut up mandy i'm all wet that's all and i'm going to bed his voice was faint as though he were speaking with an effort you go into the house he said to the girl i've got something to say to cameron here you are quarreling oh give us a rest mandy and get out there's no quarreling but i want to have a talk with cameron about something go on now for a few moments she hesitated looking from one to the other it's all right mandy said cameron quietly you needn't be afraid there won't be any trouble for a moment more she stood then quietly turned away wait said perkins to cameron and followed mandy into the house for some minutes cameron stood waiting now you murderous brute he said when perkins reappeared come down to the barn where no girl can interfere he turned towards the barn hold on said perkins breathing heavily not tonight i want to say something she's waiting to see me go upstairs cameron came back what have you got to say you cur he asked in a voice filled with a cold and deliberate contempt don't you call no names replied perkins it ain't no use his voice was low trembling but gravely earnest say i might have killed you tonight his breath was still coming in quick short gasps you tried your best you dog said cameron don't you call no names panted perkins again i might a killed you i'm mighty glad i didn't he spoke like a man who had had a great deliverance but don't you here his teeth snapped like a dog's don't you ever go foolin with that girl again don't you ever do it i seen you huggin her in there and i tell you i tell you his breath began to come in sobs i won't stand it i'll kill you sure as god's in heaven are you mad said cameron scanning narrowly the white distorted face mad yes i guess so i don't know but don't you do it that's all she's mine mine do you hear he stepped forward and thrust his snarling face into cameron's no i ain't gonna touch you as cameron stepped back into a posture of defense not tonight some day perhaps here again his teeth came together with a snap but i'm not going to have you or any other man cutting in on me with that girl do you hear me and he lifted a trembling forefinger and thrust it almost into cameron's face cameron stood regarding him in silent and contemptuous amazement neither of them saw a dark form standing back out of the moonlight inside the door at last cameron spoke now what the deuce does this all mean he said slowly is this girl by any unhappy chance engaged to you yes she is or was as good as till you came but you listen to me as god hears me up there he raised his shaking hand and pointed up to the moonlit sky and then went on chewing on his words like a dog on a bone i'll cut the heart out of your body if i catch you monkeying round with that girl again you've got to get out of here 
everything was all right till you came sneaking in you've got to get out you've got to get out do you hear me you've got to get out his voice was rising mad rage was seizing him again his fingers were opening and shutting like a man in a death agony cameron glanced towards the door i'm done said perkins noting the glance that's my last word you'd better quit this job his voice again took on an imploring tone you'd better go or something will sure happen to you nobody will miss you much except perhaps mandy his ghastly face twisted into a snarling smile his eyes appeared glazed in the moonlight his voice was husky the man seemed truly insane cameron stood observing him quietly when he had ceased speaking are you finished then hear me first in regard to this girl she doesn't want me and i don't want her but make up your mind i promise you to do all i can to prevent her falling into the hands of a brute like you then as to leaving this place i shall go just when it suits me no sooner all right said perkins his voice low and trembling all right mind i warned you mind i warned you but if you go fooling with that girl i'll kill you so help me god these words he uttered with the solemnity of an oath and turned towards the porch a dark figure flitted across the kitchen and disappeared into the house cameron walked slowly towards the barn he's mad he's clean daffy but none the less dangerous he said to himself what a rotten mess all this is he added in disgust by jove the whole thing isn't worth while but as he thought of mandy's frightened face and imploring eyes and the brutal murderous face of the man who claimed her as his own he said between his teeth no i won't quit now i'll see this thing through whatever it costs and with this resolve he set himself to the business of getting to sleep in which after many attempts he was at length successful end of book two chapter four